0: All right, anything going on today? <laughs> Softball, game. Softball game, yeah. All right, I can't see. Our insurance is not paid up. Who has firm hands? Uh, are you sure? I don't want to hurt somebody. All right. Oh, good catch. Go win, go win. All right. I um, uh, for those of you worshiping with us online, I'm really glad you're here with us. I, let me be clear: say I'm not Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, he's busy today. I know I look a lot like him, especially the physique, um, but I'm not him. I'm an impersonator. Uh, we're glad you're here. I, I really am excited today, not just because of Brown's Home Opener. That's a lot of fun, and we'll high-five over that. Uh, I, I'm excited because what I believe God's getting ready to do uh, with our church over the next several months. Um, this, some of this stuff's been stirring. You don't see it on the surface, but we've been playing some of these things for six, seven months as we've been praying, and now they're, they're just coming at just the right time. And I was looking this morning, I was, I'm up very early on Sunday mornings, not all mornings, but Sunday mornings, um, and I was online around 10 after 5 in the morning, and I saw like a line of cars, 163 cars, waiting to get into the muni lots downtown for, to begin tailgating at 5.10. And some of my heart said, I just can't wait for the day um, where 163 cars will be lined up at 5 o'clock, wanting to get back into the house of the Lord, because that day's coming. Read Revelation is coming. So we might as well model it here on earth. And I'm really excited about what we're up to. Uh, Joseph shared, I stole all my best jokes, um, because it's truthfully when I, I, oh, I won't go there. But um, we're get, starting this sermon series today, a worship series, a teaching series, entitled, I Said This, You Heard That. And just like Joseph, I shared my, that with my wife. She said, well, I always say something, you hear nothing. Um, but so communication is really, really important. And Kathleen Edelman, I'm so excited, she's coming here, she's a Christian life coach, she's a communications major, she got her degree from University of Michigan, we won't tell anybody that. Um, but she's flying up from Atlanta, and she deals with the temperaments, and has wrote this curriculum, we're going we're gonna to hear from her next week, um, we're going to kind of strip things down, and listen to this teaching, lean up against it, and then um, we'll have opportunities to sign up for six-week small groups, you can buy the books that day, you can get in groups who, uh, Pastor Terry was training small group leaders yesterday. Leaders. Yesterday, I think we have 15 or 18 small groups already. You can do it online with Pastor Kurt, the online pastors. some during the day, some off-site, some here. This is important stuff because it is teaching us. I talked to Christine, or Kathleen, I keep calling her Christine, Kathleen Edelman. I talked to Kathleen on the phone with Pastor Terry and she, she was just, I told her how important ministry by strengths has been here. Um, if, you don't, if you don't know about that, we use StrengthFinders 2.0. We learn how God has designed us, wired us. Do you know in nine years we've had close to 900 folks go through that training? It's almost 1,000 people. And it's really helped us get in touch with how we've been designed. So what it does, it helps us know each other better. And it helps us um, you know, be less judgmental as we learn that maybe... You have strengths that I don't have, and even though your strengths get on my nerves, it doesn't mean they're not necessary for the kingdom of God. And so that's helped us know each other better. Talking to Christine, why am I calling her Christine? She's probably watching from Atlanta. I'll have your name right next week. Kathleen, um, talking to her, the temperaments this study is going to help us to love each other better. And not only that, communicate in love better, even with people we disagree with. Now, do you think that's for such a time as this? I mean, if I look at our country and our world, I don't know anything more important we could do right now than immerse ourselves in how to fulfill Jesus's commandment to love one another, not not just when we agree with one another, and speak in love to one another. And I'm so excited for this. Here's what I want you to do. you know, next week, it's going to be a very different service, won't be a lot of music, won't be a bunch of preaching. My wife and I will be up here with Kathleen and kind of doing an interview format, and she's just going to teach us um, in this. She grounds it in Scripture, but teaches us in, in how to do these things. And so this is a great, great opportunity for you to invite somebody that normally wouldn't go to church. I really mean that, because there's people that, when you say, come to church with me, they have all those stereotypes in their head, Christians are this and church is that, and just tell them, oh, look, we've got, it's, it's a teaching thing, we've got a, a national a leader in communications coming in, this might be good if you know couples, family members, friends, co-workers, just a very safe service to come out to, and truthfully, I, don't, you know, I, I care more if they would come out that they jump in a small group than even if they'd come back the next Sunday, that they can be part of community and and hear uh, this message in a very safe way. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you've miscommunicated with and is still hanging out there. What an awesome opportunity to mend a fence. And just call them up, say, you know, we're going to, I know we said some words and we had some disagreement, but we're we're gonna do this this next week. I'd love for you to come out with me and we could listen and maybe learn from that, okay? So think about that. I'm really excited uh, to begin this series. Christine, what I'm going to do today is kind of a prelude. Kathleen, um, boy, oh boy, I tell you what, man, uh, you know, when you get a head like mine, it's a small world, but you wouldn't want to paint it. Something gets in there, it's hard to get out of there. Um, Kathleen grounds her teaching in Ephesians 4, verse 29. Um, you heard it read today. It says, let no unwholesome, right? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Everything she teaches comes out of that verse. So I looked at, when did Paul say this? He said to the Ephesian church, he said to the church at Ephesus, to believers, he's not speaking to non-believers, he's speaking to believers in the gospel, and from Verse 25 to verse 32, which is verses in there, seven verses. Uh, scholars say Paul is basically describing in seven verses what the, what the Christian lifestyle ought to look like, right? That Paul talks about we're in the flesh, we're in the spirit, like we have an old person in us, flesh that's dying away. There's something new being born in us. If any is in Christ, there's no long. you know, there's a new creation. Um, And and Paul is saying in these seven verses, this is kind of a comprehensive look at what the Christian life ought to be. There's so much in here, words about anger and forgiveness and what to do with your money and why you should work in the first place and how to care for the poor and how to handle your emotional life and communication. Like it's all in there. One pastor I know preached a nine-week series just on these seven verses. Can you imagine coming to, to worship every Sunday for nine weeks and hearing the same seven verses? That should leave a mark, but that's how rich it is. Now, I don't have nine points to my message or we won't get to kick off. But I want to focus on this one verse with Christine. Um, I'm going to change her name. Uh, Thank you, honey. Shout it more. Did you say something, babe? I heard this. Never mind. Kathleen, we were going to hang up on that verse, uh, verse 29 about communication, but it comes in this whole context of what Paul says should be going on in you. Now, let me tell you this. When, when Paul says, don't let anything come out of your mouth, we're going to hear Jesus say that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the mouth is just coming out what's going on, on the inside. And that's why Paul said that that you need to get rid of malice and hankering and, and, you know, uh, uh, bitterness. Get rid of all these things and be forgiving, remembering that God in Christ forgave you. So in other words, that has to be so operating in your hard drive that it spills out of you and you begin to talk in wholesome ways, right? Somebody told me one time, an unforgiving heart is an unforgiven heart. We need to let God's power, forgiveness, and grace operate in us. And it will be, the, it'll be you know, the, the motivation and the direction for us to transform our words. So let me say three things to you. First off, I hope this message makes you miserable. Because it's making me miserable. Because as somebody who uses words for a living, like this is tough stuff. So my goal today is misery loves company. I want you to be miserable too. Um, but I want to say three things really. I want to talk about the power of words. Power of words, the power that words have over you who are speaking them, right, how it can transform your character, and the power that words have over others, and then how do we transform our words? Just real quick. First, the power of words, right? When I was growing up, um, there there was a terrible little nursery rhyme saying that we learned it was kind of supposed to be a protection against bullying, and it didn't work. Some of you know it. I mean, I don't know if they still say it, but they say it all the time. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That was one of the greatest lies that ever came from the kingdom of hell. It's not biblical. The Bible never said, The Bible says words have enormous power. Words are like nuclear weapons. And and you know, I I've, I've transformed that now. Like sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can go places. And break me in places that sticks and stones can never reach. There is power in words. The biblical witness says this. If you read Proverbs 18 verse 21, it says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I mean, he didn't just say like blessings and curses. Life and death. It's like everything in between is in the power of the tongue. James, who was a brother of Jesus, a bishop of the Jerusalem church. In his letter to the church, he basically takes Paul's seven verses and he turns them into five chapters. And he talks an awful lot about the power of the tongue and the power of our words and communication. He said, one word can set off a forest fire. So Paul, it's what James said. Good Lord, I can't even get James's name right. Um, Lord, would you send an anointing of names to me right now? Give me the power of the speech. Um, but what James says is that the tongue is like a rudder in a ship. Now think about that. Little, little part, that's probably Kathleen calling to say her. <laughs> probably who it is. Would you tell Tip? <laughs> Kathleen. Um, the rudder of a ship, a really, really small part compared to the mass of the ocean liner, right? But that little small rudder just guides and directs that ship. Whether it's going to go into the rocks and sink and you know, whether it's going to go out into smooth sailing. And James is saying that, there, that the ability to control your rudder can give you the ability to control your life. That words have that kind of power, right? And I was thinking about a movie I grew up with. It was so funny at Heritage. It's an old, old movie. I'm sure a lot of you never saw it. It was old when I was young. Um, It was a movie called Papillon. I thought Dustin Hoffman was in it. Somebody yelled at me and said Paul Newman was in it. Somebody else came in and said, no, it was Steve McQueen. So I have no idea who was in. it. It's an old movie. But the point of the movie, well, oh no, here we go. Now the movie critics are starting. Um, here's what happened. In that movie, they went to what's called Devil's Island, right? And people were locked up in solitary confinement. That's the way I remember it. And it was driving people insane and some were leading them to death. And you know, that's true. That's why solitary confinement is used in prisons and interrogation. Why? Because we were made to communicate. We were made to be in community. And stripping us of that can literally make us insane or can actually kill us. And the, and the Bible understands words and the power of words, right? We've we, we got a lot of stuff going on right now about gun control. And, you know, 90% of America wants, you know, a little more uh, control in this area and that. And so people talk about registering guns and all these things. Let me tell you what. The Bible says you better register your words. Wow. Because just as, you know, guns have power to, to hurt Words have nuclear weapon type power. Words are like little bombs that can go into people and penetrate and get deep into their center and explode. And so Jesus actually says in one place, we will be judged by our words. Listen what he says. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person brings good things out of a good treasure and the evil person brings evil things out of an evil treasure. I tell you on the day of judgment... You will have to give an account for every careless word you utter. Ouch. Right? For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. The Bible says don't don't take words lightly. They're, 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 They're a power that God has given in your hand. And watch this. They're so powerful that they represent the image of God that's in you. Now, why do I say that? Because look at, we serve a speaking God, right? We have a God, if you read creation, reached into the dust, reached into ribs, you know, uh, and walked in the garden with us. But in other places, just spoke into creation. Let there be light. Let there be dry land. Let there be humankind, male and female, in our own image, let us create them. Have you ever thought of what is it that separates us as humans from all other forms of life, right? In the animal kingdom, the botanical kingdom. The old philosophers used to say, well, it's reason. Humans have the ability to reason. Let me tell you, animals have that ability too. I have a 10 and a half year old yellow lab in my house and she has me wrapped around her little paw. And she, she has learned how to reason, how to manipulate me, how to get what she wants, right? I mean, I, I, the animals have ability to reason. What they don't have is ability to communicate. Right, like when, when Leah's is sick, my little lass, it wasn't Mary Leah, and she'll wag her tail and look at me like stupid human. I cannot tell you, right? Like, but we've been given this gift to communicate, to speak. Just it, it shows the image of God. God has put that power in our hands, right? And those words can build up, and those words can destroy. And this is really what separates us in some ways from the Eastern religions, right? in the eastern religions if you go if you go to a buddhist monk and you say hey do you pray he'll say i don't pray i meditate and there's nothing wrong with meditation i know there's yuppie apps out there now for meditation there's nothing wrong with it but it's not the same as prayer because prayer is talking it's speaking it's it's reaching out right it, 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 that's why it says jesus didn't go into the mountains to meditate he went to the mountains to pray, to talk with God, to talk with the Father. And thankfully, he did that so often that the disciples recorded for us some amazing prayers. Gethsemane, where Jesus was praying to God. John 17, the whole chapter where he's praying to God. See, in the Eastern religion, if you want to attain nirvana or enlightenment, you're to avoid speech, you're to avoid words because God is not a he, God is not a she, God is an it. God is a life force, and so you abandon speaking. That can get in the way, and I'm still mad at them for Cat Stevens back in 1977. Anybody know Cass Stevens? Okay, one, three people, good. Millennials Google him. He was really good in 1977, like Peace Train and Wild Thing and Wild World. I can't even say the words right. But anyhow, uh, you know, he he was trained in that religion. He had to quit speaking, so he sold all his guitars. Thank God, 30 years later in 2007, Yusuf Islam began to sing again because I missed him. But we don't say that. We say that we've been given this incredible power, the power of speech, the power to communicate. So be careful with your words. Jesus. They're powerful things, and they have a power over you. On, we always think of power, and I'll say, it's a power over you. You know why? Because you know what your words do? They reveal you. They reveal who you are. Jesus. Right? They, you know, I had an old preacher who used to tell me, if you let people talk long enough, they'll tell on themselves. Yeah. Remember Maya Angelou said uh, when people tell you who they are? Believe them, right? Why do you think they cross-examine in trials? Because the words just give, give, give life and voice to what's going on inside of us, right? Out of the abundance, out of whatever's in your heart, the words speak. And, and, and this, can, this can be really important because when you go through counseling or, you know, sometimes in the safety of Christian counselors or, or psychoanalysts or whatever, you should talk about that nastiest, uh, weirdest feeling you're having because it gets it out, but you do it in safety, and you talk about it. You journal. Some people do. Because one of the things I've learned is that words, watch this, give thoughts and motives reality. So whatever's going in there gives it reality. Now, there's a great danger to that. Because that can shape your character too. Because if you have bitterness or rankling or hatred in your heart, that's bad. And if you say, thinking in my mind, like, I just hate that person, Right? You know what's worse? If you get aside with a friend and say, you know what? I really hate him. I really hate her. You know what happens? Now you've wrapped that word like candy with a wrapper. You've given power to it. You've given life to it. And it may come back as a vulture and destroy you. Because if we have anger in our heart and we give words to it, we give that anger power. And it can be a power over us. And we have to be very, very careful with that, right? We need, we need if, you know, if we have these racist, sexist, all these ideas in our, and we give word to that, all of a sudden we start feeling superior, we start debasing people, and we actually start to believe the lies, right? And that's why we have to be very careful. When Jesus said, you'll be judged, you know, according to your careless words, we're supposed to weigh our words, supposed to register our words. We're supposed to think about what they might do to us and, unfortunately, right, to others. Words have power over others, right? Now, if I say some dumb stuff, and my wife can give you an encyclopedia of that, but if I say some dumb things and it takes me down, that's almost like poetic justice, right? But how many of you know when you do that, you don't ever go down alone? You take others with you right? It affects people that are around. We don't go down alone. Words have an incredible power for penetrating the human spirit. An amazing power for that. Um, You know, do you you know how many suicides and how many murders and how many wars even have started over words, right? How many marriages have been torn apart? Because of words, maybe a sentence. Children, you know how many children have been just to have to go through years and years of therapy because of a careless word from a parent that had just power over them, maybe even a teacher or a coach. Words have great power. I get tired of this when people say, well, you know, it's people are just talking. It doesn't matter. No. They're, they're, they're operating with power beyond themselves. There's, there's powers in words to build up and to tear down, to affirm and to bring life or to bring death and hopelessness. And that's why if we, we start speaking hopelessness, we start feeling hopeless. Right. We speak anger all the time, like Paul in the Bible says was breathing anger. Why? Because he was speaking it all the time right. until Jesus Christ came in his heart and transformed his life, right? It has power. It, it, it goes in all kinds of directions, and that power can build up or that power can tear down. I got permission from our campus pastor, Scott Blevins, to share this story. This was a month or so ago, a month and a half ago. You know, Scott and I have been working together. I was his superintendent when I first met him, like which meant a supervising elder. That was back in 1998. Scott and I have worked together for over two decades and been brothers and loved each other. I was so anxious and excited to be able to get him to come here with us at Garfield when we went to South Euclid. And he was having one of those days, you know, my, my job as lead pastor is kind of listen to where the staff is what's going on. And his confidence was a little shaken on something. He just wanted to have a lunch and talk. And he brought something up that happened back in 2000, 2001, when I was his superintendent, and he shared something I had said that kind of um, injured his confidence. And when he told me that, I said, dude, I don't even remember saying it, number one. Number two, I know exactly what you were going through, and from what I was saying, it was actually to build you up and take your part. And it was like a weight just fell off him. And I thought, man, you've been carrying this stuff for 18 years. And actually, when that weight went off of him, guess what? It went off of me. And and that's that's, that's the ability of words to 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 wound. If you know, I said this, you heard that, right? You know, and carry stuff around that we got to let the grace and the power of God uh, set us free from. Because words can affirm as easy; they can bless as easily as, as they can bruise. I love what Proverbs 16:24 says. It says, "Pleasant words." are like sweetness, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Do you know there have been countless studies in the medical community that might take 50 people in hospital beds that for a month, everybody goes around working with them, goes in and speaks affirming words. Boy, do you look good today. You are getting better, and the sun is pretty in this room, and I love your smile. And another 50 the people go in and go, gosh, your color doesn't look good. You, know, you seem like you're moving a little lethargic. Guess who gets well quicker? It's a truth story. It's been proven. That study has been done a hundred million times. Because pleasant words, words that build up, wholesome words, right? They're, they're, they refresh us in the soul, and they actually are good health for our bodies as well, okay? So don't let any unwholesome talk. What does that mean? Like, I, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, is that like cuss words or something? No, the word literally, to give wholesome talk, means to help make Whole. The word to be saved in the Greek literally meant to be made whole. Right? So our words should be holy. They should be building up. They should help people. Now, we're not just giving flowery words. It says speak the truth, but do it in a way that can build up. And the only way we can do that is to recognize first the power that words have over others. There's an old Benjamin Franklin story I really love. Benjamin Franklin, his biographer, has written so many things, and I'm a history nut, so I read these things. And his, his biographer has all of his journals and everything. He basically says something I already knew, but if you don't know, Benjamin Franklin hated Christians. He just didn't like them. And um, he thought they were naive. And um, he especially didn't like George Whitfield. Now, if you know, George Whitfield and John Wesley were the two major evangelists in this country, camp meetings and all that. And even Wesley said when Whitfield spoke, the angels stopped and listened. He was one of the greatest preachers. So Franklin would always go to hear Whitfield preach, but he couldn't stand him, and he didn't like the message. But it bothered him, because every time Whitfield preached, at the end of his sermon, he would take up a collection for an orphanage he was building in, in continental America, and Franklin said, thank God, every time he preached, I gave money for that orphanage. And so one day, True stories biographer said, he said to a friend, he said, look, I'm going to hear George Whitfield preach. He is a wonderful orator, but I want you to hold all my money so that I don't give him anything. True story. And Franklin went and he heard Whitfield preach that day and Whitfield preached. And after the end of the sermon when he made his plea for, for money, Franklin turned to the guy next to him and said, hey, can I borrow 10 bucks? <laughs> I love that. Because it shows that words have life, right? God is measuring our words. So when we go into a room, it's not just what will make me happy? You know, how can I build myself up, Right. Because when we're happy, we'd we love to talk to everybody, but how do we how do we measure our words? How do we say how will my words affirm you? how am i How can I weigh your needs before my own? And if we become careful that way and begin to walk in that right um we'll we'll be able to, to speak in wholesome wholesome ways, right? And some of you are listening to me and you're thinking, um, you know, hey, you know I'm not very articulate, this is worrying me because I'm not so articulate right I, I've you know i I, I, some i open mouth insert foot or some of you might be saying you know like i'm up here saying i talk all the time but i'm worried maybe i don't weigh my words i know this is with me my mom used to say freeds have diarrhea of the mouth sometimes we just shoot from the hip and i need to do some self-examination and say chip are you weighing your words Are, are you registering your words but either way, if you feel you're inarticulate, and I don't know what to say, or you're articulate, but I'm worried I just ramble, I just say careless words, listen to, here's, here's, how, here's how you transform that. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to that power that's at work in us. Because Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem, um, his disciples and the people couldn't help but praise and give thanks to God. See, when our speaking God comes into our presence, it triggers Words of praise and and words of grace and words of love in us. And the religious leaders, you remember a story? They came out and said, tell your people to shut up. And Jesus said, if they're quiet, even the stones will cry out. You know what that means? If you get close to him, even your tongue of stone or your tongue of heart can be turned into a heart of flesh and a tongue of grace. As we stay close to him. The apostles used to say, as they walked close to Jesus, the Holy Spirit would give them the words, right? So, as we stay close to him, he will, he will give us the words. The Holy Spirit, it in the Bible, says, will give us the utterance, right? As, as we let that be the operating principle in our lives. I want to close, wrap this up, but I was thinking about this. It was um, one of the things I loved to do when my daughter was very young, she's my oldest. Was every night, no matter how busy I was, I was doing my master's work out east. I'd give my, I had to go in and read fairy tales to her before she went to bed. And I don't know why this—I don't believe in all the you know uh, gender stereotypes and all that. But in our house, for whatever reason it was, dad read to the daughter, mom read to the sons. She she did more of the bedtime reading with the boys. I did with Tiana, and it's some of my most treasured times. And we had all these big books of fairy tales, um, and we had Hans Christian Andersen, we had the classics. <laughs> The one I really liked was The Brothers Grimm. Now, I think that's probably why Tiana likes horror movies to this day, (laughs) because The Brothers Grimm were not G-rated, man. They were a little macabre, if you know them. Um, But I liked them. They were just different stories. And we'd sit there and read them, and she'd pull up the blanket to her eyes. And, you know, I'm traumatizing my child. But Jesus loves you. Go to sleep, right? (laughs) Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the brothers Grimm don't come into my room. Uh, But there was one I'll never forget. I I, I need to talk to Tiana about today. I remember reading it. I can't remember which one it was. But it was a story. There was an elf, kind of a mischievous elf. And he was in a town, and he would transform into different shapes and that. And he transformed himself kind of into a peasant near the, near the bridge, as I remember it, and like a hungry peasant. And there were two sisters, and one was very foul-mouthed, one was very rude, one was always you know full of herself, nasty things to say, and the other one was very kind and very loving and very considerate. And so the elf was out there one day, and the, and the you know the foul-mouthed, nasty sister comes up on the way, and the elf says in the form of a peasant. Uh, dear, dear woman, would you share with me some food? I am very hungry. And he, she said, I'm not going to give you any of my food. I earned my food. This is mine. Go out and get a job and get your own food. And the elf snapped his fingers. And from there on else, whenever that sister would speak, no words would come out, but an ugly toad would jump out <laughs> of her mouth. Then the other sister, the kind and loving one, came across, and the elf again, dressed as a peasant, said, Oh, woman, would you give me some food? I'm very hungry. She said, Of course I will give you some of my food. You look hungry. I have more than I need. Is there anything else I could do for you? And the elf snapped his fingers. You know what? Every time that one went to speak, she would always find the words. But when the words ended, a gold coin would pop out of her mouth. And I thought of Jesus' words where he said this, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person brings good things out of a good treasure. And the evil person brings evil things out of an evil treasure. When you speak, what do people do? Do they yawn? Do they cringe? Or or are they blessed with, do they treasure what you say? Are we opening our mouths and poisonous toads are, are jumping out? Or do we open our mouths and gold coins, treasures of the Gospels are coming out and to bless people's lives. Go to God today. We all need help with this as we prepare for this training next week. Say, God, I need a heart of wisdom. I need a heart of grace. I need you to help me transform, get control of that rudder of my soul and my tongue. And help me to speak words of grace as you did. you know how gently Jesus spoke to people? Why do you think everybody came around him? And in fact, one place where the crowds were leaving because he was teaching and people were saying, man, this is pretty hard. I don't, I don't know if I could handle this. And Jesus turned to Peter and he said, are you going to leave too? And Peter said, where would I go? You have the words of life. Lean up on him a little bit for us today, okay? So as we speak out will jump words of love words of grace words of build up wholesome words words of life that's our prayer in jesus name so go out today we're going we're going to close in song i'm going to pray for us and close the song and think about gather some folks up come in here next week this training is what the world needs right now we need it desperately um, so that we can be great ambassadors for the kingdom amen let's pray together lord god Send your Holy Spirit, give us words. Breathe words of life into us. Let us know, Lord, that um, sometimes we're just so careless with what we say. And our first thoughts are about ourselves and not about you. God, help us to have forgiven hearts. So that we can have forgiving hearts. Help us before we speak to weigh the needs of others. Help us to listen what it would be that you might say if... We were sitting to receive those words. And then, God, would you give us the words? Would you give us words that build up, wholesome words, and not tear down? Words of grace and love and peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, you say, for theirs will be the kingdom of God. God, give us the equipment to build that kind of kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name.